Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 46 of the Money Love Podcast. I'm back, you guys. I am so happy to be back. I know that some of you guys were like, Paige, what the heck? It is not July 6th. It is August 3rd. Where have you been? You are a month late coming back to the podcast. So I want to just spend the first couple of minutes of this episode just giving you guys an update on what's been going on personally, and then we will jump into the lesson. If you do not care about anything that has been going on in my personal life, which I know there might be some of you that don't or many of you that don't, just go ahead and skip a couple of minutes into the episode. We'll get to the actual lesson. But I know I came to you guys in May telling all of you that I was going to take a little bit of a hiatus just from everything, from the podcast, from Instagram, just my entire business other than with my coaching clients, because my husband and I were going to be moving from Houston to Dallas and I was still going to be working full time. Things were going to be a lot busier in my personal life, and I simply just couldn't do it all. I talked about this last week on Instagram, if you guys follow me on Instagram, but I've always really thought of my life in three main pillars. The first pillar being my personal life, so my marriage, all of my relationships and friendships, and all of the stuff that we all have to juggle in our personal lives just to keep everything up and afloat and running like well-oiled machines. That's the first pillar. Second pillar is my corporate full-time job. And then my third pillar is my business. And normally, that first pillar of my life, the personal life pillar, is usually pretty boring, to be very honest with you. There really isn't a lot going on that's out of the ordinary that I feel like I can't handle just average day-to-day stuff. But I was explaining last week on Instagram that really what I've noticed about myself is that at any given point in time, I can juggle two out of the three at the highest level. And when one becomes a lot more demanding than it is in normal times, usually what ends up happening is that one of my pillars has to be put on pause or it has to be put on the back burner. And these past two months have really been a time where my personal life pillar has been much more exciting and there's been a lot more activity than what I'm used to. And again, in order for me to really remain a sane, functioning human being, I had to put one of the pillars on the back burner. And I'm sure as you understand, my corporate full-time job is just not a pillar that I can put on the back burner unless I want to lose my job. So for the past two months, my business pillar got put onto the back burner. And I know I explained that to you guys. And again, I'm just really appreciative of you guys allowing me to have that time off to just get Ryan and I moved and adjusted in our new environment. So I will give you a quick update. Everything, relatively speaking, went smoothly with our move. We took a two-week vacation to Florida, which we had had planned for our five-year wedding anniversary for a long time, even before we knew that we were going to be moving. So we still went on that trip. While we were on that trip, we put our house on the market in Houston. Our house sold lightning fast in Houston. We literally put it on the market the morning that we flew to Florida. As we were boarding the plane, our listing agent was texting me going, okay, the listing's live. I'll start letting you guys approve showings. 
by the time that we had landed in Florida from Houston, which is only about an hour and 15 minute flight, we already had a showing that had happened while we were in the air. We already had four more scheduled for that day. And our listing agent was like, you guys already have an offer coming in on the house. And that night, we literally closed on our house in Florida in our Airbnb in 12 hours above asking. So that process was easy. It went really fast. Our buyer was already approved for an expedited closing. So in that sense, selling the house in Houston went really well. We were able to find a place to rent in Dallas. So our original plan was we were just going to get to Dallas. And knowing how crazy the real estate market is right now, especially in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas is probably the area in the country where the real estate market is the craziest right now. There's just so many people that are relocating to Texas in general. And then also there's a ton of companies that are relocating their headquarters to Dallas. So there's just a ton of people flooding the Dallas market needing a place to live. And knowing that, we were like, okay, let's just get to Dallas, find a place to rent for a little bit, maybe even giving us some time for the market to cool down a little bit. And in the meantime, we can just really get settled and decide where we want to live. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> we got to Dallas and shortly after getting here, a home that I have always loved in my hometown where I grew up went on the market. It's a house that I've always just loved the design of it. I've loved the location of it. I've driven by it hundreds, maybe even thousands of times in my life, just on my way to school, my friend's house and things like that. And I've always loved this house and it hit the market. And so we actually decided to scrap all of our plans and buy the house. We got really lucky with the buying process of this house. I don't know if just the real estate gods were shining down on us, but we were the only offer that was made on the home. We just simply offered the asking price of it. We didn't have to do anything crazy or extravagant like you're hearing. We didn't have to, you know, submit an offer that was, you know, $50,000 over asking. We simply just offered the asking price and our offer was accepted. The timeline was I really thought we were going to be getting to Dallas, you know, moved into our rental, and then I would get settled and we would kind of be back at it. But as we were closing on our Houston home, we started the process of buying another home. And this is the third house that we've bought. We don't own three houses, but this was the third time that we've gone through the home buying process. We bought a home in Michigan when we lived there, we bought a home when we moved to Houston, and then the third home that we've bought here. So no stranger to the home buying process, but it is a very emotionally consuming and time consuming process. So it was a period of time when I thought things were going to be really slowing down so I could get back to you guys, but things just kept going with this curveball of us deciding to buy a home. And not only did we decide to buy the home, it is an older home that hasn't really been updated in a long time. So we are also going to be remodeling the home, which again is just another layer of not complication, but just another layer of decisions and strategy that has to be worked out on how all of that is going to be done. So we closed on that home about two weeks ago, mid-July. So that home officially belongs to us now. But what we're going to be doing is living in our rental, which is only about three miles away from the house that we bought over the next six to 12 months as we remodel and renovate this new home that we bought. And this new home that we have bought, I am saying this is going to be our forever home. I have told Ryan, I am done moving. I want to live in this house until basically I die. 
So we really are going to be making the investment and also taking the time to make this home exactly what we want and a home that we can really be in forever, essentially. So I will be taking you guys along that process. You guys have been asking me, are you going to show us the remodel? I know that you guys don't follow me for home decor and home improvement stuff, but I'm still going to be showing you guys the process, taking you through the steps and the design choices. And also, I think that it would be really cool if we talk about the financial aspect of it. Because me personally, it's like you get on Instagram and you see all these people renovating these houses. And I know my thought has been, how are they paying for this? Like, where is this money coming from? And I know that when we decided to do this, we went through several options of, okay, how is this going to be funded and how are we going to pay for this? And so I'll definitely be showing you guys that side of it as well. That's what's been going on. Again, I'm sorry I'm a month late, but moving forward, we are back on track. Go ahead and start expecting new episodes back every Tuesday. And again, I so appreciate your patience. And thank you for just rolling with the punches with the hiatus being a little longer than I initially thought it would be. So for my first episode back, I wanted to do an episode titled Money Love. This podcast is called The Money Love Podcast. And sometimes I get the question, why did you name your podcast The Money Love Podcast? Like, what is money love? What does money love mean? And so I figured we would spend an episode my first episode back, where I explain this concept to you. It's really just a phrase that I made up, to be honest. I mean, it's not an official term, but to me, it's a mindset and it's an emotional state around money that through this podcast, I want to get all of you to because I believe that something amazing and transformative happens when you start to love money. Now. Even just saying that, I know it makes some of you uncomfortable or maybe even upset. The thought of loving money is so taboo and it's so against what we've all been conditioned to think about money, especially us women. Again, if you want to dive into this deeper, go and listen to episode 34, which kicks off my Women and Money series where I talk about this a lot. But the point I'm trying to make is that when it comes to money, we are taught that we can't love it. Because there are so many negative associations that we have made to money. We attach money or the lack of it to pain and suffering and stress and anxiety. We attach money to power and in many cases, the abuse of power. We attach money to materialism and excess and being spoiled and being extra. We're told, don't be in it for the money. And we're told things like money doesn't buy happiness. And we're constantly absorbing these little subtle jabs that we make at money, like someone being filthy rich. As a society, we are so judgmental of money. And these negative messages and associations that we make to money are constant and they are everywhere. And even if you don't realize it, I would bet that you have been conditioned to have predominantly negative thoughts and beliefs about money. I know I was conditioned too. So when you think of money in that way, and then I'm over here telling you like, no, 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 like love money. You're like, uh, no, (laughs) no, thank you. Absolutely not. So I understand and I get your resistance towards this concept, but let's talk about why this matters. Why is this something that needs to be addressed and talked about and changed? 
It's because your thoughts create your reality. Your thoughts and beliefs about money will create your financial results and your financial reality. It wasn't until my relationship with money changed that my results with money started to radically change. And remember, your relationship with anything, anything, with another person, with yourself, with food, with money, is simply just your thoughts about it. So you're sitting there going, okay, I want to improve my relationship with money so that I can create different results with money. But how do I do that? Where does that process begin? Well, it begins with your thoughts because when you change the way that you think about money, you're going to change the way that you feel about money. And when you change the way you feel, you will change the actions that you take around money, around how you make it, how you manage it, how you spend it. If you desire to have different financial results, you have to have different beliefs about money and the role that it plays in our world and in your life. Now, this is what this entire podcast is about. There have been so many episodes where I have given you mental shifts and different perspectives that you can start to adopt and practice with money. So we're not going to cover any of those in this episode. Just go and start making your way through past episodes. But where I really want to spend some time in this episode is around the way you feel about money. So I'm going to ask you, do you love money? Can you say that you do? Maybe some of you were there and maybe some of you can say, yes, I do. I love money. But maybe a lot of you aren't there yet. And that's okay. That's what I really want to dive into today. The first question that you might have is simply, why? <laughs> right? Like, why should I love money? Why is that something that is necessary? And my answer to that is because you have a relationship with money. You do. Did you know that? You have a relationship with money because it's something that you have thoughts and beliefs about. And so if we're going to have a relationship with something, don't we want that relationship to be a loving relationship, a thriving relationship? I've given you this analogy before, but think about your relationship with money like your relationship with someone that you love, a spouse, a parent, a sibling, a best friend, a child. If there's someone in your life who is a predominant figure or a predominant person in your life, just how money is a predominant resource in our world, don't you want that relationship to be a loving and a healthy one? Of course you do. Why? Because it's painful and it's hard and it's unpleasant when our relationships aren't loving and healthy. Money is a part of our everyday lives. It is a construct that we as the human beings have invented that we live our lives within. So if that is the case, then why not have a beautiful and a loving relationship with it? You're asking me, why should I? But my response to you is kind of like, why not? What's the harm in it? Remember that our emotions and how we feel about things are so important because your emotions and your feelings are the fuel that drive all of your actions and all of your inactions. This is the model that I'm always walking you through. Thoughts create feelings and feelings drive actions and actions create results. But your feelings are the fuel. The feelings are the gas that you put in your car so that it can be turned on and driven and move forward. So feelings are critical. But let's go back to this example of thinking of your relationship with money like your relationship with a person. Think about this. How do you act towards someone 
who you have a loving relationship with? What actions do you take? I know for me, here are some examples. I think of my most loving relationships, and those are the relationships that I think really positive thoughts about. I'm checking in with them and I'm having conversations with them because I have a deep desire to be connected to them. I take steps to make our relationship deeper and more rich. I go above and beyond for them. I'm thinking about the long-term health of the relationship because I know that because of the love that I have for this person, that they are going to be in my life for a long time. And because of that, I don't make decisions that are short-sighted with our relationship, but rather I make decisions that are going to grow our relationship and grow the love that we have for each other over the long term. I want to get to know them and I want to understand them on a deep level. I have a desire to learn about them so that I can take steps and actions to make them feel loved as well. Bottom line, when you have a loving relationship with something, person or something inanimate, It appreciates, it grows, it expands, it goes up in value. Now, for relationships where there isn't a lot of love, where instead there is a predominantly negative emotion, maybe like annoyance or apathy or even hatred, what actions do you take towards relationships like that? It's quite the opposite. You have terrible thoughts about them. You judge them. You talk bad about them and you gossip about them with other people. You tear them down by the words that you say to them and the actions that you take towards them. The list goes on and on, but when you have a relationship with someone or something that is driven predominantly by negative emotions, it depreciates. It gets smaller and it shrinks and it goes down in value. So when you're like, Paige, why should I love money? It's like, because it's a relationship in your life, a predominant relationship in your life, might I add. And so why wouldn't you want to have a loving relationship with it? It's like asking you like, well, why should you love your spouse? Why should you love your sister? Why should you love your best friend? When you put it in that sense, the answer kind of becomes obvious, but so many of us aren't thinking of it in that way. I understand that this is much easier said than done to love money. Many of us have a lot of painful associations to money and even trauma, past money trauma, that we have to work through. So I understand it's not as easy as just flipping a switch and then boom, you're there. You suddenly love money. But for this episode, I simply just want to open you up to the idea that you can love money. It's an option for you. It's available to you. And that when you do, when you love something that is a lifeline to you, when you love something that is a part of your everyday life, you will start to notice that your results with it will completely transform because your relationship with it has completely transformed. I think the biggest resistance that some of you might have to loving money is what that will say about you, what it's going to make you look like in the eyes of other people. I know you're like, well, what are people going to think if I'm someone that's like, yeah, I love money? First of all, what I want to say to you is that please don't allow someone else's scarcity with money keep you in scarcity with money. Do not allow someone else's opinion of you having a healthy relationship with money stop you and be the hindrance to you having a healthy relationship with money. I want to tell you that loving money does not make you greedy. It doesn't make you selfish. It doesn't make you money hungry. Think about it this way. 
Would you look at a wife who loves her husband and say, oh, she's so selfish for loving her husband? Or would you look at a mother who loves her child and say, oh, she's so greedy for loving her kid? Would you look at someone who loves their parent and say, ah, you know, that's just a little bit too much for me. It's just a little too flashy for me. Of course you wouldn't, right? We would never do that. And there's also no need to do that with our love for money. Money and the amount of it that you have says nothing about you. It says nothing about your worth. And like I always say, money simply amplifies and enhances you. It just makes you more of who you already are, which all of the women in this community, I mean, it's like, come on. I know if you're here, you're amazing. And so like I always say, more money in your hands is only going to make you more amazing and giving and loving and generous. Another point that I want to make is that there also doesn't need to be a hierarchy with our love for money. It's so funny how we do this with money. We justify and we explain away our love for money. Here's what I mean by that. We're always saying, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. I don't love money more than I love my kids. Or, oh, yeah, like I want to be rich and I want to have a lot of money, but it's just not as important to me as X. And I mean, obviously, I know when we're saying this, it's well-intentioned, and a lot of us really do mean that. Like, I don't really think there's a lot of people in this world that would say, I love money more than I love my kids. But it's also so fascinating why we even feel the need to explain ourselves or justify it at all. We don't do this with anything else. We only do this with money. We're not like, oh man, I love pizza. Pizza's so great. It's my favorite food. I love it so much. But don't worry. I don't love pizza more than I love my kids. Or when someone's like, oh, this is us. I love it so much. It's my favorite TV show. I love Mandy Moore. I love all the actors and actresses. It's just my favorite. We're not like, yeah, but you don't love it more than you love your spouse, right? Of course, we would never, ever do that, right? But we do this with money. We are so judgmental and we are so hard on money. It's like, oh, I love money, but don't worry. I don't love it as much as blank. It's not that important to me. And again, imagine if money was a person and you said that about another human being. How do you think a statement like that would make someone feel if they heard you saying that about them? Probably not great. And again, I will say, like, I get it. In many cases, we do mean what we're saying, but it goes back to why do we even feel the need to compulsively explain ourselves with how we feel about money and how we don't love money as much as we love other things. When I think of all of my friends, I don't think about how much I love each of them in comparison to one another. I don't rank how much I love them all. I can love all of them without having to compare and contrast them and also explain the love and the differences in the love that I have for each of them. Please hear me. There is infinite space in your world for love. Loving money does not mean that you have to love something less to make space for the love that you feel for money. Loving money does not mean that you need to love your kids or your spouse less than you do to make space for the love that you have for money. The love in your life is not finite. There is no certain amount that you have to give out. It doesn't work like that. Love is abundant and it's flowing and it's light. It is the greatest emotion that we have the ability to feel as human beings. And so I don't know about you, but I want as much of it in my life as possible. I want it to be everywhere in my world. The love that I have for Ryan 
and my parents and my in-laws and my sisters and my brother-in-laws and my friends and my puppies and my boss and my coworkers and my neighbors and my friends and every single one of you. But also not just for people, for the things that fill up my life, my everyday world, like food and my job and my business and sleep. And yes, money. There is so much love to go around, even some for your money. And love doesn't need to be compared. It doesn't need to be justified. It doesn't need to be explained away. It doesn't even have to be deserving. It can just be there and fill you up and change your world in all areas, yes, even with money. And this is money love. Money love is like appreciation. It grows and it evolves and it expands. It's not loving money ahead of anything else. It's not using money to have power over others. It's not feeling greedy or selfish. It's not attachment. It's not idolizing it. It's not scarcity. Like I said, it feels open and light. And so here I am telling you that I love money and I want all of you to love money. I love talking about money. I love teaching all of you about money. I love having money. I love creating money. I love saving it and spending it and donating it. I love taking care of my money. I love investing my money. I love being generous with my money. I love money and I love all of you and there are no comparisons or explanations that are needed on that. Loving money does not take away from the amount of love that I have for you guys or anything else in my world because there is enough love to go around to love it all and to have love fill up your world. When I started to love money, my results with money started to completely transform. I started thinking and talking about it in a positive way. I started learning as much as I could about it. I started checking in with it every single day. I stopped pushing it away. I started making more of it. I started investing it so that I could turn the money that I already had into more money. I started spending it on things that brought the highest level of value into my life. I started being more generous with it. So much good comes from love and so much good comes from loving money. We all think that we can't love money because loving money is bad and it's evil and it's selfish and it's greedy and taboo but I'm here to offer you that it's quite the opposite. There is so much good and abundance and generosity that can come from loving money. I know that it's an overused term on this podcast, but what I want for each and every single one of you is for you to reach your full financial potential. And that will not happen when you feel terribly about money. It's just like how you can't have a thriving marriage when you hate your spouse. It's just not going to happen. And you reach your full financial potential by realizing that money is neutral and that you are in control of the thoughts and the beliefs that you are going to have about money. And when you know that you're in control of that, then at that point, you can choose to adopt and practice and solidify beliefs about money that enable you to have a loving relationship with it. And when you can have a loving relationship with money, you will take loving actions towards it. And that is when your full financial potential will be reached. 
Money love, y'all. It is a beautiful thing. I want to end by saying again that I love each of you so much. Each of you is so special to me, and it means so much to me that every single one of you is here each week with me, and I'm so excited to be back. I can't say how much I appreciate your patience with me these past two months as I got through this big life move and transition. I am so excited for all the growth and the wisdom and the involvement that is to come that we will all be working on together. I will see you next Tuesday. Have an amazing week. I love you. Bye. Hey girl, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled purposeful and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's hundred percent risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.